Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start. So welcome to another episode of the Single Cell World podcast. I hope everything is good in your side. And today I will be talking about spatial technology. Well, we will be talking about spatial technology, more specifically, Vision Mersco platform. And with me, I have Vision Scientific Co-Founder and Senior Director of Scientific Affairs, Jiang He. Hi, Jiang. Welcome. And thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me today here. Thank you. And can you please share a little bit about your background and how you came to the point where you co-found the VGEN? Sure, yeah. So I did my PhD in molecular and cell biology at Harvard back in 2009 to 2016, focusing on single molecule imaging and its applications in different areas. And it was around that time where I was applying a lot of single molecule protein imaging and RNA imaging in different disease areas. And then I moved to MIT to do postdoc and focused on cancer research. So around 2015, my PhD lab actually came up and published the technology, MERFISH, which is multiplexed error robust fluorescence in tissue hybridization, the foundational technology for MERSO. And then the next few years or so, the lab actually improved and optimized the technology to a point that we feel like it's ready for actually use in different research communities or research areas. Uh, so around 2018, I actually came back and helped to drive the application of Murphy's technology in different disease areas and different application areas and started thinking of commercialized technology. Then start fundraising in 2019. We actually got Series A and got company started. So that's kind of the short story of how everything started uh, for Wisdom. And can you give me an overview about Vision, the mission, the goals about the company? Yeah. As mentioned, uh, Western is actually a company that is working and actually commercializing technology called Murfish, which is a single molecule fish-based or RNA imaging-based technology that can actually simultaneously image hundreds to thousands of RNAs at the same time in situ. Uh, so as a company, we are actually the first true single-cell spatial transcriptomic imaging company that launched a pro the product called Merscope. So our mission is actually to deliver the best spatial biology tools to enable biological discoveries in different disease areas. And Merscope is a type of product that enables researchers to do in situ gene expression profiling, discover and profile cell types and states uh, in complex tissue, and ultimately help improve human health. Mm -hmm. That's great, yes. So Merscope platform, the basis of this platform is Merfish, right? As you explained. So let's imagine now that I'm considering to use Merscope platform for a special transcriptomics project that I have at the lab. And we'll make you some questions that uh, will inform me about if Merscope is a good platform for my project. And the first one is what kind of samples can I use? Solid tissues, fresh frozen, or for example, FFP, paraffin embedded tissues, what type of samples can I use? Yep. So uh, Merscope is actually very worse as a platform and many different sample types can be used, including fresh frozen tissue blocks, fixed frozen tissue blocks, FFP tissue blocks, adherent cell lines, suspended cell lines. Um, so basically 
any sample that can be cut and placed on Merskoop site uh, will be used. And we actually have launched products, sample prep kit uh, for all these sample types already. That's great. Yeah, it, like this, it really gives a lot of flexibility, a lot of different type of samples that can be used in one project. So yeah, that's great. What about organoids? Also possible to use, right? We can place it in a slide and use it. Yeah, correct. So basically, internally, we have demonstrated more than 50 different tissue types across many different species already. Um, so truly highlighting how widely applicable uh, Murphy's technologies across different disease areas. Mm -hmm. That's great. What about different species? Because normally, well, at least me, I'm used to use human samples or my samples, zebra fish also. There are other kind of species that can be used. Uh, that's correct. Um, yeah, so we have seen researchers using Murphy's technology in human mouse, nowadays actually in rat, non-human primates, or some other organisms, even exotor, uh, drosophila, the plants and some other species as well, um, Xenopus, for example. So basically any species that has the annotated transcriptome or genome um, so that we can design probes uh, can use Murphy's assay. And we do have so-called custom verification kits for those who may want to try the species. So that enables researchers who have their own favorite sort of model organism now design certain probes and get started and see if fish assay will work or not. And if yes, then very naturally they can try Murphy's essay. No, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's great. Again, flexibility. And it's really cool that this technology can be applied to different things. And so related with what you mentioned now, this is a platform that is target approach. We will need probes. We will need to know what genes we want to study, right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. We cannot just, I don't know, design probes for all the transcriptome. No, we need to be a little bit restrictive on the design of the probes. Yeah, Murphish is the targeted imaging approach. Uh, it usually needs to begin by identifying the list of the genes for the gene panel. Um, and curate a gene panel that is of interest. Uh, so as of now, we actually have uh, different tiers of products. For example, we can select up to 500 genes now, but we will also have ability to select up to 1,000 genes uh, very soon. So even though it's sort of targeted, but there has been a lot of actual demonstration in academia indicating that with Murphy's data, you can potentially integrate with single-cell RNA-seq data and thereby, even though there are genes that are not included in the panel, you can still get transcriptome-wide special data here. But you're absolutely right here. Usually, like, it begins with the targeted approach and you're imaging what you wanted to image and then start from here and do the downstream analysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what you mentioned now for me is right now is the best strategy for a project, of course, if we have money, is to do the single cell and in parallel or let's say complementary with a spatial approach like using uh, Merscope. Yes. And what about the resolution? Is it single cell resolution? So we will be able to see single cells and the signal and like in the individual cells. And is it also subcellular? Can I even amplify more the image and look if it's in the nucleus, cytoplasm? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, yeah, so the imaging resolution-wise for Merscope is down to 100 nanometer. So thereby, it is subcellular resolution and can provide true single-cell resolution. Um, so actually, uh, I just wanted to sort of 
mention sort of how we get to two single cell resolution here because two individual molecules, single molecule RNA fish dots, we can very easily resolve it. However, if we cannot, cannot accurately assign each transcript inside a cell, that's not true single cell resolution. So for MERSCO platform, what we usually do is that to get to that true single cell resolution, we need to establish some ground truth of where individual cells are. And by doing that, then you can define the boundaries of the cells. And in the MERSCO workflow, we do have a cell boundary staining, which is a cocktail of plasma membrane staining reagents that will outline the shape of the cell. And with that, then our machine learning algorithm can pick the shape of the cell and help to circumvent the cells. And with that information, plus the transcripts information that are assigned to the uh, cells, then you can get true single cell resolution. Since in the image, we also do DAPI staining, also um, poly-T, which binds to the poly-A tail of mRNA. Uh, researchers will also be able to get that sort of nuclear staining. So again, with that information, you know where the nucleus is. And if you combine with some other protein staining, indeed, you can get intracellular distribution of RNA molecules uh, inside the cells. And there has actually been several publications sort of highlighting how one can get the intracellular organization of transcriptome in cells or in more complex cell types such as neurons in the past. Yeah. So what you are talking about is cell segmentation. That is one of the, let's say, main problems that people have when they are analyzing data from uh, spatial. So with your system, you already have these problems solved, basically, with the markers that you mentioned, right? Marking the membrane. And yep. I think it's a quite important feature because in order to do single cell analysis, uh, since we're not dissociated in the cells, then we need to have a very accurate way of telling where the boundaries of the cells are. The transcripts are misassigned. Then it kind of potentially misidentifying the cell types during the cell segmentation. And that will potentially contaminate the downstream data analysis. Um, so having that ground truth is very important. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Especially being um, a wet lab researcher, right? It's like for me, that is basic for you when you do that in analysis to know where is the cell and have an image of that and then do the analysis. So yeah, that's great. And if I want to implement this technology in my lab, what will I need to buy? Is end-to-end -end solution or end-to-end -end platform from the beginning until the end? I will have all the instruments. Do I need more than one instrument? What will I need for the lab? Yeah, MERSCO is end-to-end solution. So uh, basically, we provide a workflow from very upfront, from probe design to the image acquisition to downstream decoding analysis and visualization software as well. So to run this, actually, MERSCO itself has two parts. The first part is sort of the uh, image acquisition part. It contains the box that has all the different fluidics and laser channels to take the images. And once the images is done, it also contains an analysis computer that will be able to perform uh, decoding analysis. So all this will sort of help with the automatic data acquisition and data decoding locally. So to work with that in a lab setting, it usually begins, for example, like use online photo to design the gene panel. Uh, that is usually a very, very simple process. And then Winston will be able to synthesize the probes that researchers design and then actually deliver it in a ready-to-use aliquote. And with the aliquote, then researchers will use a sample prep kit on bench to do a few very simple steps, basically hybridization and removing background to a state where the sample is ready to be loaded into the machine. And then the sample will be placed on MERSCO machine and then you kick start and then everything will start to acquire the data automatically. And once down, 
Their analysis will also kick off automatically. Then you get all these sort of raw analyzed data, decoded data. Uh, then researchers need to analyze the data and we then leverage the visualization software to explore and do single cell analysis. So it's an end-to-end -end solution where very upstream to downstream analysis is all included in the package. Yeah, it seems very, very simple. <laughs> However, this technology, this technology I'm referring to special transcriptomics is a little bit complex, but uh, yeah, it seems, yeah, it's really nice when, as you said, there is an end-to-end -end solution. And if we buy this type of uh, technology platform, yeah, it gives us, as a wet lab researcher, like some um, security that everything is controlled and everything will go and will work well. So, yeah. And can you tell me a little bit about the magic that happens inside the machine? When I have uh, my slide and we put inside the machine, what will happen? Yeah. So, yeah. Now, perhaps I can explain two very brief steps up round before getting into the box, because it kind of sets the stage of what's actually happening in the uh, sample within the Merscope. So basically, there's three key steps for Merscope imaging. Uh, the first step is to hybridize the probe um, that are targeting the genes of interest. Uh, we basically assign a unique barcode to those oligoprobes targeting the genes of interest first. And then the second step that we do is to remove the backgrounds to uh, gel embedding and tissue clearing, basically any unnecessary components that may create autofluorescence will be removed. Thereby, what's left behind is a sample that are stained with oligoprobes containing the barcode. And then that's the sample will be noted onto Merscope instrument. And the central task here now is to use the machine to read out the barcode. And since each gene will have a binary barcode, and in order to read it out, we use sort of sequential round of imaging to read out. And essentially what's happening in the machine is that uh, we will flow different rounds of readout probes in. Uh, imagine in the first round, flowing in one flavor of readout probe, and then there will be some probe have reverse complementary sequences that are bound into the readout probe. Then the binding will trigger and generate a fluorescence on signal, and then that will be registered on the camera. And then once the first round is done, then the signal will be extinguished. We basically remove all the signal and then flow in the second round of readout probes again. And then again, if the genes of interest have an associated barcode in this particular round, then that particular site will have a fluorescence on signal. And for genes that don't have that bit in that round, then it will be fluorescence off. So by repeating this cycle, as you can imagine now, that at a particular site, then it will show up as fluorescence on off pattern. And that generates a so-called optical barcode. And since each gene we pre-assign a barcode. So you can match the pre-assigned barcode with this optical barcode that is happening in the box. If it matches, then we know that that's gene A, B, or C. If it doesn't match, we will apply error correction mechanisms to sort of see if it can be rejected or can be corrected. But essentially that allows us now to figure out the identity as well as the quantity of each transcript in situ. And that's what the box is doing. So basically it's either a round of Staining, imaging, and staining again. And then with that, then we connect a set of optical barcode that will be decoded later. Okay. So let me try to simplify what you explained super well, by the way. So at the end, we will have gene A and B. Let's just uh, give these two examples. Gene A will have a specific color that is constituted by the different fluorochromes that the machine was reading. Right? And gene B will have a different color from gene A because, let's say, the first image that was taken, the gene B didn't have fluorescence because the barcode 
identified that fluorescent just for gene A. And you are building up like a color during the different cycles. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's correct. Yeah. So imagine in this case, like gene A, say if it, gene A has the buffer that it will light up in the first round, second round, third round, or fourth round. Uh, in a given round of, say, 10 rounds of imaging, it only lights up in the first four rounds. While gene B, say, if we let it light up in the second, fourth, fifth, and sixth round, then by imaging these 10 rounds, you will notice that actually gene A has four dots in the first four rounds and then turns dark in all later rounds. While gene B would have fluorescence in round two, four, five and six, but no other rounds of fluorescence signal showing up. So with that, then you can kind of know, actually, this is, if I see that pattern, it's gene A. If I see the other pattern, then it's gene B. Yeah, that's great. And of course, it gives us the possibility to detect a lot of genes, a lot of transcripts, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here comes other question that I just thought about now. So when you say that there is a maximum of probes that we can design, these probes, they need to be designed for different genes or they can be designed, some of them, for different transcripts of the same gene. The different isoforms of the same gene, uh, it potentially can be designed. It kind of depends on uh, how many unique nucleotides or that variable region is for different isoforms. If the difference is long enough, like it has a non-variable region, then yes, even for the same gene, we can potentially target different isoforms. And actually, there has been some very nice demonstration and publications on that already. Um, so so that's, that's definitely possible. Then separately, in terms of designing across different genes. Um, so again, since we are sort of using different probes and using these probes that target different regions. So as long as the gene has enough unique targetable region, uh, then in theory, uh, actually there's really no upper limit here. Um, in academic publications, we have demonstrated Murphy's can uh, image up to more than 10,000 genes in a single run. So more than 10,000 genes imaged in one sample. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge amount of genes. And still with the probes, uh, should I design, for example, two probes or more for one gene or just one probe for one gene, it's enough? What is your advice? Yeah, so uh, in our design uh, principle, we actually uh, usually do more than one or two probes per gene. We actually have on average usually 50 probes, but uh, depends on the gene and sometimes we also reduce the probe number. So basically it creates enough redundancy here so that even if one or two probes don't work, but there's enough other probes that will give the true signal for that gene of interest. Okay, thank you. Yes. And what about the number of slides that I can process simultaneously? How many slides? Yeah, so on the machine, uh, for now it takes one single slide, uh, but the slide is quite big. Actually, it's a round cover strip that has four centimeters in diameter. Uh, so it's a very, very big cover strip and researchers could potentially place a quite large piece of tissue for imaging on Merskom instrument. Yeah, they will do that. <laughs> we try always to use all the space that we can. Yes. And can I put different sections in the same slide? So different, I don't know if different samples, maybe that will be too risky, different tissues, but for the same type of tissues, different samples? Uh, yeah, so we can have different tissue types coming from the same sample block or actually coming from different blocks, coming from different uh, conditions placed on the same microscope slide. Um, so that's entirely doable. Sometimes we have seen people placing four or five, sometimes 10. And in the extreme case, if people creating tissue microarray, 
in clinical samples, I have seen actually researchers placing more than 100 samples coming from more than 100 patients in a single run. So yeah, you really need to be an expert preparing the blocks and do the sectioning. But yeah, it's great to know that there is this possibility and people are already doing it. Yeah. And how many time takes from the beginning of the workflow until the end? It takes days, uh, weeks, months. So the I'm saying the at the end of the workflow at the wet lab because the analysis can take a lot of time depending what we want to see, what you, we are studying. But the workflow at the lab. Yeah. So yeah, in the lab, there's a sample prep step on bench. Usually that takes about four to five days. Um, but actually a lot of time is just waiting for in the incubator. The real hands-on time is one to two hours or so. Most of the time it's just hybridization or waiting. So the samples can be batched. Uh, basically, there are multiple stopping points uh, during the workflow where the researchers can prepare five to seven samples in a row and then they actually image later and install the samples in a condition where they, whenever they're ready, they can pull out. That when it gets to imaging the instrument, it takes roughly about a day. So basically, if a researcher prepares, so say five to seven samples in a row, then they can image the next week one by one on the machine. Um, so they can batch and then they can image the sequentially. Yeah, that's good. And last question from the wet lab part. Besides RNA, can I analyze some proteins on top of what Merskov does? Uh, yeah. So last year, we actually launched a protein co-staining kit. So getting to sort of the spatial multi-omics space. Um, so it is entirely possible to simultaneously image protein and RNA together. So actually, for Murphy, as a technology-wise, actually, we have now demonstrated protein plus RNA imaging. Um, and beyond that, actually, can even potentially think of combining DNA and facial epigenomic from our scientific co-inventor, shall we draw that, like facial epigenomic, DNA, Murphy, and CRISPR imaging have all been demonstrated before. So there is a lot more that can potentially happen uh, with this type of technology. Yeah, things are getting more and more complex. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is really good. I think, well, this is science moving forward. So it, it's great to know from you that there are all these possibilities because, yeah, we want to take the most of uh, a team especially when we are working with the tissue from patients. So yeah, it's really important that, okay, thank you. It's great to know that. Next, the data analysis. So this is one of the main concerns facing special transcriptomics, but also single cell transcriptomics or single cell and spatial in general. And do you have a specific software? I think you have, because you told me that after, like, at the end, the machine will acquire the images and will already analyze or do uh, the first analysis for us, right? So do you have a specific software then for the platform? Yes, the upstream, once the data is acquired, we do have uh, analysis software for decoding. That generates uh, sort of the final outputs for Merscope data. Um, and with that, then researchers can actually first use the Western's Merskop visualization software for exploring and visualizing the data. And here, this is where a lot of information such as sort of the distribution of all RNAs across the tissue, cell type, where cells are, which cell types are, can also be visualized and analyzed in such a way, including differentiation analysis or so. But depends on the research question, I think there is sometimes uh, more bioinformatic need for uh, actually data analysis, right? For example, Potentially, researchers may be very interested in seeing how cells are interacting with each other through ligand and receptor pairs or so. 
how different groups of cells are interacting with each other and at a larger scale in tissue. So the output of Murphy's data is very compatible with single cell analysis pipelines. So using SCANPI or SteelRut, researchers will be actually load MERSCOPE data and do that type of analysis uh, downstream depends on the research question. Um, so there is a lot of sort of packages being built in academia for single cell analysis. So downstream, they can apply the same principle yeah, I always say that uh, the softwares that comes with uh, the platforms, with uh, the technology, it gives us the possibility to do like a quick analysis, a quick idea of what genes are being expressed, what are not. So, But after that, we really need to go deep in the analysis and is yeah, we will need to, to use this type of pipelines that you are mentioning. Yeah, that will always be like that because otherwise it will be very difficult for companies like this gen to personalize the data analysis for each person, like for each researcher or each project that it's not possible. <laughs> so yeah. What about technical support? Do you have technical support, I imagine, in the website that we can contact? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we do have a very strong tech support and custom solution team. So this is the two parts. One is the engineers. Uh, so we have field service engineers to help our customer base for e-store, for fixing uh, the issues that could potentially arise when they uh, run the Mersco platform. Then on the wet lab side, we also have field application scientists that actually are doing the real training and uh, actually troubleshoot for those uh, who may be working on a sample type that may be a bit new um, or may have never been optimized before. Um, and separately, internally, we have our strong support team to actually make sure that uh, whoever runs Mersco platform will be successful. Yeah, that's great. That, uh, as a user point of view, it's essential because is that we, we get a little bit nervous right to try this new technology everything is new we know that the machine everything is expensive and yeah like if we know that we have an amazing technical support it's the key really yeah that's great that you have one and is there anything else that you would like to add or now is your free time so <laughs> you can say whatever you want Yang. from my perspective i think from there i think wisdom started about roughly four years ago to now. Uh, I think what's really amazing for me to see is how quickly spatial biology as a field um, has sort of now grown. Because 2018 or 2017, there was not too much known about like what spatial biology can be. But in about four years or so, the field has really progressed quite dramatically, I think in a very, very fast pace. And we have seen a lot of really cool applications and demonstrations, as well as the value that spatial biology has provided to different research areas. And just use the field of neuroscience as an example. Back in 2018, there was this very first publication using Murphy's to profile a very small region of the mouse frame to do I call it actually the very first true cell atlas in paper in the hypothalamus region of the mouse brain, which is very, very tiny region now. And now, five years later, actually researchers around the world, for example, Allen Institute, has used Murphy's technology to basically capture and profile and identify and catalog all cell types, more than 5,000 cell types in the adult mouse brain. Uh, so you can kind of see 
the amount of data that has been generated as well as the progress that has been made within the field. And that's, I think, the excitement about this field because things are progressing so fast and now sort of addressing and building those reference maps to answering fundamental questions in terms of how different cell types work, what is happening in different disease and mechanism of action for how different drugs are working in, in an oncology or so. So tremendous progress made and I'm truly excited about this field. And we're also seeing a lot of really cool technology advances uh, in this field as well. So truly excited and hopefully the tools like Merscope will be very, very beneficial for the research community uh, in the near future. Yeah, I agree with you. It's amazing how things are coming up like new technology, new approaches, even as you said, like we with Merscope technology, right? Researchers in their lab start, let's say, to play and find new ways to, to use it. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of new things came in a short period of time because if we compare with single cell, yeah, it was fast also the growth but it was not so fast like now special that uh, yeah sometimes for me it's even difficult to keep updated with everything all the technology because yeah there's a lot coming and I think in the next couple of years we will see even better things I don't know in terms of resolution in terms of 3D multi-ohms like you are saying multi-omics we want to do everything in one slide (laughs) all the information so yeah it's been really super interesting. Mm-hmm. And to finish, how can people contact you or VisGen team staff to learn more about uh, the company products, the services? So the website, yeah, there they will find everything. Yeah, the Wisdom web- website definitely is a good place to go. You will find a lot of information about our product as well as the email address of how to reach out to our team and uh, if you're interested in exploring and giving them cloud. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I would recommend to go. I will leave all the links for the website, but also for social media, because my advice is follow Vision on Twitter, LinkedIn, and like this. Well, it's like this that I'm always aware of new things, new technology. So yeah, this is really important. Do you have Twitter and LinkedIn? Yep. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I will also leave your contact. So yeah, it's everything for today. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that is listening to us and see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Single Cell World podcast. If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at Single Cell World or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com. Well, I will wait for you next Monday with a new episode.